Well, if this is your first time to our Wednesday Equipping Disciple, we want to welcome you and, and just thank you for taking time out during the week uh, to get refreshed, to fill up with the presence of the Lord. And we know that together as the body of Christ, we lift each other up and we help each other to grow in Christ. A couple of things I want to point out to you. One is these invitations that you were given when you came in. If you didn't get one, then you can pick one up on the way out. And this will help you to invite people to our Easter service, which is April 5th. This coming Sunday, we actually are celebrating or kicking off our Easter season with uh, our Palm Sunday. And we're going to see some of our children do some great things for the Lord. It's going to be exciting. But uh, I want you to take this and, and invite someone. And there are people that don't know Jesus Christ, believe it or not, in your workplaces, in your family, or people that may have strayed from God. You know, life gets busy and, you know, after a while, you just don't come to church. And then after a while, you're disconnected from the body of Christ. And then you feel so disconnected that you don't know how to come back to church. But when someone gives you an invitation, it's like their, their ticket back. It's like, I can come back because someone invited me. So let's do that. Let's take a couple of these and just invite people. Pray and ask God to put people on your heart. Then he will. He probably already has. So take a couple of these and, and go invite people. And we have more at the information center if you, if you need more later on, okay? Uh, second thing is that next week, Wednesday, uh, Susie Chun and I will be doing an excellent uh, uh, teaching on the Passover, uh, God's Promises Revealed. It, it really has a, uh, a, a, a unique way, it's a unique way of teaching the Passover some of you don't understand the whole context of the Passover, and I'm still learning a lot about uh, the Jewish tradition as well as what Jesus was doing on the night he was with his disciples before he went to the cross and uh, did communion with them. So next week, I want to invite all of you back because it's just going to be a powerful time. Uh, one of the best presentations that I would uh, see, uh, because when Susie and I were meeting and just going through the different things that we're going to be talking about, boy, it just pierces your heart already just with what Jesus came to bring and how he fulfills a lot of what was happening in the Old Testament uh, that will help us to understand that when we read the word of God, Jesus was always there in the Old Testament. Everything pointed to Jesus and everything was about Jesus. We just need to piece it together. And so when you come next week, you're going to understand in full context what the whole Passover was all about and why we celebrate it. Uh, also, the last thing is, Pastor Pauline mentioned last week that because of food prices going up, so are ours, and it's only going up a dollar, so it's not that big of a deal, but in being wise stewards, we want to make sure that we're taking good care of what God has provided for us. So our Wednesday night dinners uh, are going to be $3, and our Sunday morning breakfasts are going to be $4. And I think that's still a pretty great deal if you think about it, right? There's, there's no place you can get what, uh, what we provide. So I'm just thankful for all of you and the volunteers that cook for everyone. And the vision behind it is so that when you want to come here on Wednesday night, you don't, really, you don't have to cook. You can just come up here and eat and then come to service. And then Sunday morning, same thing. That way it helps with the family time. You know when you go crazy and everybody has to eat and then clean up and then cook and come up here. Uh, we just want to provide that so everyone can be here together. So those are the three things that I wanted to mention to you. 
Also, if you are new tonight, if you take out that uh, pamphlet, I think they might pop it up up here. There are different areas that we meet in. Uh, one is in our courtyard. Susie Chan will be continuing with uh, talking about Jewish roots, our Jewish roots, and uh, talking about how, in fact, with what you guys are doing in the courtyard, it's going to tag into what's happening next week, Wednesday, uh, talking about God's heart and uh, where we're heading towards uh, when it comes to Easter, because Easter is coming up. So I, I believe those of you who are in the uh, covered courtyard, you're going to be going through uh, that tonight. And then in our fellowship hall, we have Debbie and Lance Takai, who are going to be talking about parenting. Uh, we, all can be, we all can improve in parenting. So if you are a parent, a great place to be. And then uh, our new believers are going to be in our prayer room, and they're going to be talking about foundations and who we are as a church, Foursquare, uh, the, the basics of the Bible and who we are uh, as a church and the vision. So if that's you, you're going to be in the prayer room. And then for us in here, we're going to be talking about advancing the kingdom of God. We've been in that series, and we're going to be talking about the church that loves. So I know that's a lot of information, but I'm going to dismiss those that are going to go to their different areas. And then for those of us who are going to be in here, uh, you can turn to your Bibles open to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And this is kind of like our scripture that we go through on Wednesday night. And it's a scripture that helps us to understand why we're here and what we choose to do in the kingdom of God. And the scripture is Ephesians 4 verses 11 and 12. And it's up here. And it says this, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Here's what's interesting about this scripture is all of us put together is so that we can edify the body of Christ. And if you've been with us for the past weeks and uh, even Pastor Charlie talking about stewardship last week, we all are part of the body of Christ, that we're all valuable, we're important. Every member plays a part in the body of Christ. So don't think that, well, I, you know, I don't matter in the body of Christ. I don't matter when it comes to church. Every person matters. Every person plays a part. There's no large ways and small ways. It's everybody plays a part. You're a part of the body of Christ. And so we talk about the four circles of New Hope and our four circles consist of our services, small groups, serving, stewardship. And these four are what makes up our church. So if you think about it, when you can understand these four circles, you can understand how our church kind of functions. Now, we still have our core values as well as our mission statement. But this is kind of what makes us as a church. We have our services, which are Sunday and Wednesdays, and then our small groups, which are ministries or our Bible studies. We have home groups, devotions, our activity groups. And then we serve. We serve in the church. And then being wise stewards over our spirit, our family, our finances, or our health. This is what we focus on. This, these are the four circles that helps us to function as a church. That's why we say to invite your family and friends to Sunday morning. Because that's what we do. We gear everything for Sunday morning and Wednesday night so that new people can come to know Jesus Christ. Someone did that for us. You know, someone invited us to church. 
And so we've received Christ that way. Or if we were drifting from God, we, we, kinda, we came back to him, we got closer to him because someone invited us back to church. So we want to do the same thing. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take all of us put together. For some of you, you're wondering, so how, 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 do, we, how do we reach people that don't want to hear anything about God? I mean, how, how do we do that? How do we reach people that maybe they're hesitant or they think that if they walk into this building, then the building is going to burn up and it's going to, you know, fall and, and fold? Uh, some of us thought that. Just to let you know, it's made by steel beams, so it has not fallen yet. And all of us are here. We all are far, were far from God, but we came near through Jesus Christ. So the way we say it is this. We partner together in our attempts to reach our family and friends. So everything we do, like with the worship team, that's, they, they use their gifts and their talents for God. So when you and I invite our family and friends, and when they invite their family and friends, and they walk in, they realize that, wow, this is a place that is full of joy. They love God with a passion. Oh, look at the singers. Look at the people behind the scenes, those that are working the cameras and those that are with the children. They, they're using their gifts for God. So we partner together in our attempts to reach our family and friends. We work hard so that when your family or friend comes, they don't have to work hard. They don't have to sit here and start, you know, kind of uh, cringing and thinking, oh, what, what are they going to do? What are they going to say? They can receive the love of God. That's why we have greeters outside. That's why we have ushers. So that when people come here, they're welcomed. We all partner together in our attempts to reach our family and friends. And we do that one relationship at a time. That's what we say. We reach the lost one relationship at a time. Now think about this. One relationship at a time. It helps us to not think about reaching 5,000 people or 10,000 people or five people. It's just one person. Sometimes we think, oh, it's hard to reach people because you're trying to reach everyone. And that's great. But just start with one person. Start with one person. Talk to that one person. Build a relationship with them. Love them. Encourage them. Be there for them. One relationship at a time. Sometimes it takes a a month, and then they come to church. Sometimes one invitation. Sometimes it takes 10 years. Sometimes 40 years. We don't know, but God knows. And the way I look at it is like a clicker. Some of us were 40 clicks away from coming to know Jesus, and someone just prayed for us, and maybe one click closer. And then someone just said, oh, um, I want to invite you to church. And you're like, ah, I don't like go. I don't like go. I don't know nobody. And that was one click closer. And then maybe you heard something on the radio and it just touched your heart or something on TV and it's like two clicks closer. So if we all work together, we just keep going one click at a time because all of us put together are trying to reach the lost. One relationship at a time. And God will work those things supernaturally. You don't know what God is doing in their lives or your friends or your family. You don't know what God is doing. But if there's an invitation then it brings them one click closer. And so tonight, as we talk about the church that loves, we're going to find out that that's what God looks for. God doesn't look for a church that's busy. He looks for a church that's going to love people. Now, this church from the very beginning was founded on love. That was foundational for us as a church. Love was, it was, there was no other option than to love people. 
That was a non-negotiable for us when we began this church. And it's still that today, that we're going to continue to love people into the kingdom of God. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to read from verses 1 through 3. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13, already you're thinking this is the love chapter. It's, it's just what the Bible is recognized as in this chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the moment you hear about that, you start thinking of love. This is the love chapter. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'll read from verse 1 to uh, verse 3. And it says this, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and, I, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So the Bible is telling us there's a reason why we do what we do. That love must be attached to everything we do or else it's not going to amount to anything. See, the, the success of a church is a church that loves like Jesus. That's what makes a successful church. It's, it's not necessarily the size. It's, it's a church that loves people like Jesus loves people. So you could have a church of 10,000 or five people, but if they're loving people like how Jesus would love people, that's a successful church. You could have a church of 5,000, but they just crowd people together, but there's no love there. It's not a successful church. It's a successful gathering, but if there's no love there, then it amounts to nothing. See, it doesn't matter what we look like if there is no love there. Because we gain nothing. We cannot look good on the outside and just perform for the act of service rather than say, wait a minute, I have love, therefore that's why I serve. That's why I do what I do. It comes out of love. See, the, the church, if we, if we look at our church, the church that loves can oftentimes become the church that drifts toward doing what love did in the very beginning without the love of the Lord that they can still continue to do the works, and if we're not careful, we can head that direction. And I'm so glad that we're not. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is every once in a while, we just got to do love maintenance. It's like our cars. We don't wait till the oil light comes on. Well, some people do. You don't wait till your oil light comes on, and then you say, oh, I should change my oil, and then say, ah, but still get light. No, light is still on. I wait a little while. You don't wait till your car conks out. Well, some maybe you do because of whatever circumstance. But normally you maintain your car. You're supposed to go every 3,000 miles to 5,000. Some of you, you're on a budget. You're saying, I cannot go every 3,000 to 5,000. I got to go every 50,000. So too bad. I'm going to put Wesson oil inside there and I'm just going to let that thing go. But normally you try to maintain your car so that it doesn't break down. And that's what tonight is all about. So that we can do love maintenance. This is what happened to a church called Ephesus. It's in the book of Revelation chapter 2. And you can turn there. Because they, are, they, they were a church that loved people. They began that way. That was their foundation. Everything they did was surrounded. Or everything they did was based on love. Love surrounded everything they did. 
So people would flock there. People would gravitate toward that church, and it grew. But then after a while, this is what the Lord speaks in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. It says this, To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And he says this, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake. And have not become weary. So up until this point, it's like, wow, this is an excellent church. They, they, they're doing great. They're doing great things for God. They're not growing weary. They're serving. They're, they're reaching people. And then God kind of brings in a little, nevertheless, I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, this works in a marriage too. Remember when you're dating, you're so in love, and, and like nothing could, could, uh, could, could ruin the relationship because you were so in love. Everything was fresh, and then after a while, you, you started to date more, and then the things that never used to bother you began to bother you. And then you figure, well, when we get married, then that's love is going to be in the air. Once we get married, it's like sparks are going to fly again. And so you get married, but then you forget about dating each other again. You just get married and now you live together and you're thinking it's supposed to be better, but it doesn't turn out better. You just live together thinking marriage was supposed to make it work. But you stop dating. And then after a year or two, you're like at odds ends and then you're wondering, where did the love go? Well, the love is still there. It's like just packed down somewhere, waiting to be released through dating again, doing the things you used to do before. Like before, you would buy flowers or you would pull out their chair and, and open the car door because you were so in love. Now, you don't even pull out their chair. You're like, hey, go sit on over there. I'll go sit on over here. And when, you, when you go to the car, it's like you just walk ahead of them, putting your spouse waiting in the back by you, and you just walk ahead of them, and, and you just see them going. And when I see that happening, I watch that, and I think, they've been married about eight years because it's about a foot a year that you kind of, you know, span. And that happens. So you're going to slow down and grab each other's hands. You go to the mall or someplace in town and you see like teenagers all over each other. You know, they're just all over each other in the corner. And you're like, oh, gross, go someplace else. But you used to do that. Now try to do that when you're married now <laughs> because it's legal now. Well, not illegal or legal. Now it's more, you know, you're, you're now in God's eyes. That's a little bit more you're married now. Now, I'm not saying to do that. Now, some of you might want to go do that. Go down to the bus terminal, hang on, just go. Because you're married. You're married. Try to go next to teenagers who are sitting on each other's lap, and you do that as a married couple. See what would happen to the teenagers. Just watch their faces. You're married. You can do that. Well, why don't we do that? Well, well one, we want to respect other people, right? So I understand that. But it's almost like when you get married, you stop doing the things you used to. And, and 
for some reason it's good. I mean, sometimes we just don't want to do certain things out in public because we just respect one another. But we just stop doing everything completely. And then all our life is consisting of is work, come home, eat, clean up, watch TV, or go on our iPads or whatever gadgets we have, and then we go to sleep. It's like we do that over and over, and then after a while, the marriage starts to decay. That's what God was speaking to the church. He was saying, you're, you're decayed now. You, you used to do these things, but you no longer do these things. That used to love serving me. It was birthed out of love. But now you're just doing the act of serving, but there's no love attached to it anymore. So you just go through the motions, and so when you get irritated, love cannot help you because you don't love serving. You don't love people. You're just around people. And so when people are in it with you or when you're serving together or even at work, because there's no love there, everyone's irritating you. You just can't stand people now. And now when people kind of say certain things to you, you just cannot handle anymore. Because there's no love there. But in the beginning, when you love God, you love people, you serve with so much love. Oh, nothing. Ah, no worries. That's okay. No, yeah, no, that's okay. Oh, yeah, you banged my car. No worry. No worries. Small dent, small dent. Oh, you took my pen. No worry. That's my favorite pen, but no worry. It's okay. It's okay. Very easy in the beginning because of love. But now because that first love is gone, everything is surface. And so because of that, everything becomes irritating. Because there's no love there. So when someone makes a mistake, oh, you get at them. Oh, you made a mistake. You can point fingers now. Why? Because there's no love there. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. See, if we don't have love, you know what we're going to do? We can serve in the church, but we'll be pointing out everyone's faults. Because love is no longer there, and it's not covering a multitude of sins. We, We no longer love people we just look for their mistakes and their sins and their flaws and then we complain about that person this person that person how they're doing things we forgot about love it's like god is saying this is this is what i have against you you got to return back to your first love see you can you can do work and not love but you cannot love and not do work Work automatically happens when you love. You can serve and not love, but you cannot love without serving. Love will cause you to serve. And so the Lord says you got to return back to your first love. What, what, were your, what, what did you used to do at first? What, what was it like when you first started serving or coming to church or, or you, you came close to Jesus? What was it like? And, and you might be at a great place right now. You might be thinking, no, I, I, I love being close to Christ. And, and, and no, I, this is the best I've been in my relationship with him. I feel so close to him. And, and that's great. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to him. Because it's easy for us to drift. It happens to the best. Stay close to Jesus. Some of us, we think that it's our works that's going to get us the love of God. That if I just work more, if I serve more, if I do better, then God's love is going to be given to me. But actually, it's, it's not. We don't work for God's love. 
We don't, work, we, don't, we don't serve so that God can love us. We serve out of our love for God. We, we do the works of the ministry, the works of God, because we love God. See, all of us can expand our love for Jesus and, and one another. We, we can all do that by responding to the Lord in these three, ra- these three ways. And we're going to go over a three a couple of them. And the first one is to do what the Bible just told us. Recognize what I left. That when you, when you're able to recognize what drew you close to the Lord that you have left, the Bible says you're, you're, you're there. You're, you're getting closer. Because Jesus had, to, Jesus had to speak to the church and say, these things... I notice, I know your works. You have tested those who say they're apostles and are not. You, you've labored for my name's sake. Nevertheless, I have this against you. We got to recognize what we left. What, what brought us to Christ? What, what was it like when you first came to know Jesus? What was it like to be in his word? What was it like to, to journal? What was it like to, to start off the new year saying, I'm going to be in the word of God every single day? And then when you miss a day or two, okay, I'm going to at least try five times a week. And then when you miss, I'm going to try at least twice a week. And then when you miss, at least once a week. And then now it's like, ah, at least once a month. I'll just go to church once a month. I'll just go to church on Wednesday night. I'll just, where, where along the lines did you leave something? Recognize what you left. It could be, it could be how you love people or, or, or serving or it could be the joy that you used to have. Maybe you left something. Maybe you're a reader. You love reading books, but you have not picked up a book in a long time for whatever reason. What have you left? What drew you close to Christ? Because that's the first step in coming back to your first love. When Heidi and I first met, I was seventh grade. She was eighth grade. And some of you know our story a little bit. But what you may not know is uh, we broke up for about 10 months. 10 months. So during those 10 months, I hadn't seen her. So one day, it was March 9th, 1985. Yeah, I have a DeLorean, so I went back and checked it out. It was March 9th, 1985. And it was at a, a Waminalo carnival. It was in Waminalo where I grew up. It was a carnival. So I went there. And I saw Heidi, and she said, hi. Now, in those 10 months, I grew taller than her. You know, you just have that growth spurt. So I just, you know, before I was looking up to her, now it was like, you know, well, now, now, now how I am now. So I got to choose my words wisely because I'm going home with her after this. So I, I saw her, and she said, hi, and I'm going to give you two sides. Heidi can correct later on if she needs to. So I said hi. She said hi. And then when I left, one of my friends says, who is that? I said, oh, that's my ex-girlfriend. He said, your ex-girlfriend? Why is she your ex-girlfriend? So I explained to him why. And he goes, what are you, dumb? I said, what? He goes, what? What's wrong with you? And he says, why don't you go call her up? And I said, no, I ain't calling her up. What if she has a boyfriend? And he's like, too bad. Just call her up. So they were like, telling me, you need to call her. 
well, Heidi was leaving that night, and so she gave me some leftover tickets. Now, when you're eighth grade and a chick gives you leftover tickets, that is like, that's like a brand new car in adult life. It's like a ticket. She gave me tickets. I didn't care how many tickets. It was just in the hands of Heidi. So she gave me the tickets, and, and I said, what is this for? And she goes, oh, we we're going to go home so you can have them. I was like, oh, oh thanks. And then she left. And then my friends are like, so what? I go, what, did they, what did she give you? I said, she gave me her tickets. They go like, see, she, she still like you. She still likes you. She would not give you tickets if she never liked you. Now, Heidi, on the other hand, this is the story she gave me. I might dramatize it just a little bit. Her friends asked her, who is that? And she said, Sheldon, that's my ex-boyfriend. And so she just said, wow, he grew taller and he's still handsome. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> She's just going to agree right now. She's like, well, I don't know, whatever. So that night, I, I was being bombarded by my three friends. And these are their names. Daniel, Benito, and Ryan. It's almost like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But it, it's like those three guys were just constantly telling me, you got to call her, you got to call her. So I did, called her, and I called her that night. And then from that day, March 9, 1985, we started to date again. And then we got married on March 28, 1992, which we're going to make 23 years on Saturday. That's awesome. So, well, thank you for clapping. Applaud her for sticking by my side. Um, you can give gifts if you like. Yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. You know. No, you don't need to give gifts. No need to give gifts. No, no gifts, no gifts. Just cash value. So I look at those times, and I'm joking, okay? Don't be writing cards. I look at that time that my friends were telling me these words, what are you, dumb? Now, it's, it's I mean, you're friends, so they're going to say those words. But sometimes I look at my decisions, and I have to ask myself, what are you, dumb? Like, why, why, are, you, why are you deciding that? Why are you, why are you leaving what draws you close to Christ? Why, why would you leave your first love? Why would you leave what draws you near to your Savior? It could be devotions. It could be, it could be worship. It could be whatever it is. Just recognize what you left because we all leave something. I like how 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says it. It says, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things. Since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. See, if you, if you don't discipline yourself, then you will not be able to recognize what you have fallen from. Because discipline is what is required to keep moving forward. Discipline is necessary to do what is needed to get you to the place where you need to be. Discipline is needed. You, you must have discipline. You must have discipline to say, I recognize what I left. I, I know where I went, went bad. I, I know what it is. Too much of this. Or, or I'm, I'm squandering my time with, with TV or games. Or, or I, I, I used to serve or whatever it is, but I left that because of so-and-so. Whatever it is. Discipline gets you back on track 
with the love of God. And you know where it all begins? This story will kind of give us a little hint. It's found in the book of Luke, chapter 10. Luke 10, I'll read from verse 38, and you can turn there. And this is a story of Mary and Martha. And some of us know this story because we know Martha as the busy one and Mary as like the holy one. It says this, now as they were traveling along, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, as, as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Yeah, they needed to do things. They needed to to get dinner ready. They needed to prepare the house for Jesus and, and, and to prepare the meal. They needed to do all of that. But Jesus said only one thing is really needed, one thing really that's necessary. And Mary has chosen that good part, and it shall not be taken away from her. And what was Mary doing? She was listening to Jesus. She was sitting at his feet. You know, one of our core values, our first core value is our daily devotions. We believe that daily devotions and prayer are paramount to a strengthening relationship with Jesus Christ. Without being in the Word of God, how can we have a strong relationship with the Lord? We need to be in the Word of God, our daily devotions. And the second thing is this, not just recognize what I left, but remember from where I've fallen. I, I think we can all remember when something goes bad, you know, whether it's a decision or whether it's uh, uh, circumstances or, or maybe a a decision that you made that you thought was supposed to turn out good or you, you thought it was going to be the best decision or the right decision and then you look back on it and you say, oh boy, it wasn't. It kind of made me fall. The Bible says remember. Remember from where you have fallen. What was it like to be close to the Lord when you were close to the Lord? What was it like to, to be someone who was serving and using your gifts for the Lord? What was it like now, for some, life just took over. Maybe you got married and, and then you, you kind of had to figure things out or you had children and, and your, your time is now dedicated to your children and, or work. Your finances is, you know, you're in debt and you're trying to get out of, out of debt and your finances are, are, are not in good shape. And so you're trying your very best as well as trying to maintain your relationship with the Lord, trying to attend church, trying to read your devotions. You're trying all of these things and yet, it feels like nothing's working out. Well, if you just remember from where you've fallen, just, just remember, okay, where, where, where is it? What, what happened? What, what could it be? Because it might not be a sinful thing that happened. Sometimes we think, well, where I've fallen from, that means I sinned. No, it may not be sin. It might just be life. It, may, it, may be just, it might be just an adjustment that you need to make. Maybe something happened at your work or your job that you weren't ready for the schedule change or schooling or, 
or health issues, or, or you got to take care of your parents, or, or someone's sick in the family, and, and something just took a turn for the worse, and you just, everything went out of whack. It's like life stood still, and, and now you're here, and you don't know where to turn. And it seems like you've fallen. It's like the Lord is saying, just remember. Remember where you've fallen from. Where were you? Because now you can kind of detail out where you need to go. Because you can recognize where you've fallen from. Or maybe, maybe you're drawing close to him now. And this is the best it's been in your walk with Jesus. Stay close to him. Keep loving him. Because it's your love with him that's going to sustain you through the ups and downs of your work schedule, children, sports, the economy, your finances. It's your love for Jesus is what will sustain you because his love for you will always hold you up. And his love never fails. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, verse 16, For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. But the wicked stumble in time of calamity. You know what is interesting about this scripture? Before you can rise, you must first be righteous. Did you catch that? Before you rise, after you stumble, you must first be righteous. You don't become righteous by getting back up from stumbling. You get back up from stumbling because you're righteous. Some people think, oh, I stumbled I'm just going to get back up because that's what the righteous do. Well, you can get back up because you're righteous. Getting back up doesn't mean you become righteous. Because sometimes I think for some of us, we just make decisions that don't necessarily make us righteous or we make decisions that are not necessarily righteous. They're just different decisions that we're going to stumble upon again. So the Lord says, no, the righteous, they fall seven times, but they rise again. They can rise again because they're righteous. Now, I don't know if we had that video uh, ready for tonight. Do you know if we had that? We do? Somebody give me a yes or no. Okay. We're going to watch this. And what I want you to do is uh, just take a look at this. The quality is not the best, but you're going to catch what this is all about. And this just goes to show what happens when someone falls and what can happen. Let's, let's just take a look at this and then we'll continue. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you would think you would be out of the race and sometimes we feel like that, that, oh, we've fallen, but I'm out of the race, so I, I'm not even going to try. My marriage, my family, my, my relationships, my job, my finances, I'm in debt, even serving. I'm so far behind, it's no sense. But this woman, Heather, she did not train to actually win the race. Now, that's on her mind. She trained for the moment she fell and could call it quits. That's what athletes do. They train for that moment. They train for the moment that the game would say you're done. That's what they train for. They train for the moment that says you're, 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 you're way behind so you have no chance. They train for that moment. That's when their training kicks in. That causes them to finish the race. She trained all that time for that one moment. See, when you fall and you have two potentials that are going to battle for position, 
The first potential is to stay down. You have potential to stay down. Everybody has potential to stay down. It's, it's like you're saying, I have so much potential to stay down. It feels so good being down. That way nobody picks on me. I'm already down. No one can step on me because I'm under the ground already. I've been stepped on so much, I can just stay down. You have so much potential to stay down. Everyone has potential to stay down. But the second one that will battle is the potential to get up and finish the race and win. Those two potentials are going to battle. Both have what it takes to outdo the other. The potential to stay down or the, or the potential to get back up, finish the race, and win. And that's what Jesus was saying to this church in Ephesus. He was saying, you've left your first love, but you're not done yet. And then he says this, therefore repent and return to the Lord. He says repent, repent and return to your first love. You know who your first love is? It's the Lord. That's your first love. You cannot love God unless God first loved you. That's what 1 John 4, 19 tells us. We, we can only love God because he first loved us, which tells me that we can only love one another when we love God. That's a true love because God is love. And so when we repent and return to the Lord, we stop what we're doing, but we return to the Lord. Not just, not just repent, which is a changing of the mind. Not just repent and stop what we're doing. We repent and we turn to the Lord. That's what the Bible tells us in Acts 3.19. It says, therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Yeah, sometimes we repent and stop what we're doing that, separates, that separated us from God, but then we, we don't return to Him. We just stop what we're doing. We're like, oh, I cannot do that. I shouldn't do that. That's not right. And so we stop that, but we don't return to the Lord. True repentance is changing the way we think and then returning to the Lord. And that's the only way you'll be refreshed. There, there is no way that we become refreshed when we just stop what we're doing. We are refreshed from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> I remember when I was little, uh, I don't know how old I was, probably 10 years old, uh, I got mad at my mom for some reason. I don't know what it was. But I got, I got upset, and so I said, I'm leaving. Now, I didn't tell her. I just got a bag, put some clothes in it, and got one canned good and put it in there. And I'm saying, I'm out of here. And so I ran away from home. That was the first time I ran away from home, 10 years old. And so I ran away. I ran so far that I thought, nobody's going to find me. And so I, I went into this area that had some trees and some bushes. So I went in there, made a little fort for myself, tried to make a fire, didn't, didn't succeed in that because I wanted to eat this can good, but I didn't have a can opener, so I couldn't open it, so I started to become hungry. So I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I felt so far from home, and I thought, you know what? I got to go back home. There's no way I can stay out here and survive. I was cold. It started to rain, and my roof was leaking, so it wasn't, it wasn't going well. And it probably was gone for about an hour. You know, you're 10 years old, so you think that's forever. And I was like three houses down. I wasn't even that far. I just went down the block and then into the bushes, and I just sat there. I was frustrated be probably because, you know, something, you know, terrorizing that my mom did to me. Like, no, you can't watch cartoons. You know, something that a 10-year-old would be, you know, uh, torn apart by. 
You can't do something simple like that. And so I, I felt like I, I got to return back home. I got to go back home. And so when I went back home, <laughs> I, I walked into my house, and then my mom saw me with a bag. She's like, what are you doing with that? I said, I ran away. <laughs> she said, what? I said, yeah, I ran away. <laughs> she goes, well, why did you come back home? Not why did you come back home, but like, well, so what? Why did you come back home? I couldn't open the can corn. She goes, what? She said, I couldn't open the can. Well, what's in the bag? Clothes. And she goes, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. And it's like no big deal to my mom because I'm home. But to me, it was a big deal. It was traumatizing. I thought I wasn't going to see my mom. And, you know, all of these things going on in my mind. But I always knew that I could go back home. That was like in the back of my mind. That's why I knew I, I didn't have to go too far. I knew that I could always come back home. I mean, I think about repent and return to the Lord, that's what it's all about. Listen, if you feel you're far from God and you feel like, boy, I've, I've drifted from him, you're really not far from him. It seems that way. You're not too far from him. You're a couple houses down. He says just repent and return. You're not that far. And even if you were to just take one step closer to God, he will run the rest of the way because of his love for us. Nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, a church that loves people is a church that understands how much God loves it. And once you lose that understanding you've fallen away. Once you lose the understanding that God loves you, you've, you've drifted. Once you've forgotten how much God loves you, you've forgotten how valuable you are. That's what Easter is all about. That's why we celebrate Easter because of what God showed us. He showed us his love by dying on the cross for us so that even if we were to stray, we can always repent and return back to him and say, Lord, forgive me, for I've drifted. And he says, you are always forgiven. You are never too far from me. And even when you do drift, I will always look for you. And you just take that first step, I will come running back to you. We're the church that loves because we understand that we have a God who loves us. Amen. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads for a moment. Lord, we're so thankful that we can come back to you all the time. That even if we were to drift from you in whatever ways we drift, we can always come back to your love that we would recognize where we've fallen from, that we would be people that remember what it was like to be close to you and then just repent and return to you. In fact, in our hearts right now, Lord, we just, we choose to repent and return to you. That's where refreshment comes from. And if you're here tonight and you're saying, Lord, I, I repent and I want to turn back to you, you just speak that to the Lord. You just let him know. He hears your heart. He knows where you are. But even better, he knows where you're going. 
You have two potentials that will be fighting against each other. The potential to stay down, to stay far, to drift, or the potential to get up, to finish the race and win. You run in such a way that you win. So Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We want to be the church that loves because we know that you are the God who loves us. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said, Amen. Amen.